Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to a divisional round edition of the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we're down to the final four. Yeah, only two weeks left of the season, three games left. It's very sad, uh, but I feel like the matchups we're getting in the conference championship are probably the best ones and the ones everyone was hoping for when the playoff bracket was set. So I think next week will be great, and I felt like the games today were a lot better than yesterday's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think coming into the weekend, we spoke about it. Ravens-Bills was kind of the the premier game. Wanted to see it. Al and uh, Chris on the call, but... I think win got in in the way there of a potentially amazing game. Um, yeah, the games yesterday definitely stunk, but the ones today were incredible. A game we just watched. We gotta we gotta get into it. I mean, I was on the Saints. You're on the Bucks. And as soon as this game started, and Drew Brees started throwing the ball around, and the way this game was going, and they had to settle for some field goals, I was like, I'm I'm gonna end up regretting this one. And Breeze was terrible. So, I mean, Sunday's scariest moment for him has to be this is his last game. I mean, no one wants to go out like this. He was absolutely atrocious. 19 to 34, 134 yards, pathetic. Average less than four yards a completion. One touchdown, three interceptions, and just looked so, so washed up. So, over the hill. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Drew Brees doesn't draw more criticism for his playoff record. They won the Super Bowl in 2010, and since then, they really haven't done anything. They haven't won more than one playoff game since that Super Bowl run. He's 9-9 nine and nine in his career. The last three years, they've lost at home in the playoffs as a favorite. I mean, they've been disappointing. A guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's at least made more runs to the conference championship game. He gets a lot of criticism for his playoff appearances. Peyton Manning did back in the day. You know, Drew Brees deserves to get that criticism. He was horrible today. Like you said, he threw three picks. 
I looked at it uh, before the game. He's thrown a pick now in seven of his last eight playoff games. I took his prop for an interception because it was uh, plus 120. I mean, he, he just doesn't perform well in the playoffs. They had the trick play with Jameis. Even last week, they brought in Taysom Hill to throw a deep ball. You know, Drew Brees deserves a little more. He Everyone loves him, and he's a great guy, but he deserves a little more criticism for his playoff record. Yeah, and it kind of felt, so Taysom Hill was out, Latavius Murray was out, and I was like, oh, this is actually a good thing. They'll be able to just give a steady dose of Kamara and Michael Thomas and really focus on their playmakers. And again, it's the same thing. Like, they have the ball down three, nine minutes to go. The Bucks kick the field goal to take the lead. And for for whatever reason, Ty Montgomery's in the game receiving handoffs. Like, what what are we doing here? What are we waiting for? Kamara played really well. He had 18 carries, 85 yards, three catches for 20 yards. But you you know the, stat, the state that Drew Brees is in. You're able to run the ball successfully with Kamara. What am I missing here? Why aren't we giving him thir- the ball 30 times? It continues to be like a constant with the same team in the playoffs. They find ways to avoid giving the ball to their biggest playmakers when they need to the most, and it's why they've lost in crushing fashion the last four years. Yeah, they never got it to him enough. It felt like with Taysom Hill out, they would go more that way, but maybe maybe they missed Taysom. I'm not sure, but as you said, it was big that the Bucks' defense was able to hold them to two field goals in the first quarter, keep it at 6 nothing after kind of their special teams let them down. I mean, there's almost a uh, punt return touchdown, a callback for a penalty. Um, and then I thought the game-changing play was the Saints start the half. They go right down the field. They go up a touchdown. Bucks punt. The Saints start driving again into Bucks territory, and they forced the fumble on Jared Cook. That kind of swung the game because it felt like the Saints were going in for a score. Would have been a two-possession game at the minimum. And Bucks pick it up. They score, and I think, yeah, and they scored in the next three possessions. Yeah, 17-0. Yeah. So that was a huge game changing play and then like you said Breeze wasn't good enough to bring them back so credit to Bucks defense they only gave up seven points in the first half uh, or in the second half after you know not playing great in the first two matchups and even last week they weren't great Devin White was all over the place today so their defense stepped up and Brady wasn't super sharp but he made the plays that they needed to get that Breeze simply didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right to give the Bucks defense a lot of credit there. Brady made big-time Brady plays. Even the QB sneak at the end to clinch it is vintage Brady. But the Bucks defense, then the last stretch of the regular season when they had the cupcake schedule, and last week versus Washington, the reason I liked the Saints was because I was like, Saints should be able to do whatever they want against this Bucks defense. But it really was not the case. Either Taylor Heineke is way better than we think, but I think a lot of it is Drew Brees is just that bad. We saw that today. Um, and the play calling, again, I don't love it, Sean Payne. I think he's he's a great regular season coach. They find a way to win a lot of games all the time in the regular season, but every time in the postseason they just figure out a way to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and this Bucks seemed just like the whole game, it felt like they were a little bit more aggressive. They seemed faster on defense. And offensively, they got... They, they were able to run the ball pretty well. I mean, they ran for over 120 yards combined between Fournette and Ronald Jones. Um, and Brady has his guys when he needs them. He, he hit with Mike Evans on the big touchdown. Uh, he had Gronk. Like, he just 
he spreads it out. And nobody had a massive game on that side of the ball, but it just felt like you kind of trusted that Brady was going to do the right thing, and he did. I mean, bottom line was this game, this was a game of turnovers, and, and the Bucks were able to capitalize on the same turnovers. Yeah, I thought their run game performed definitely over expectation, especially in the second half. felt like they started to wear the Saints defense down, and Ronald Jones really got it going in the second half. So that was huge for them. And Michael Thomas had no catches in this game, was only targeted four times. I don't know how you could go into the second half of the game and if you're Sean Payton realize that and not try to at least get him the ball. He's your best receiver out there. They didn't really seem like they targeted him a ton. And even like the first drive, they have the massive punt return. They're in the red zone. And they're just running like strange plays. I think they ran it once. They did a play action with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on the sideline. Like, why are you doing that? You know, Sean Payton, good play caller, um, but it's similar to Breeze in the playoffs. They come up short a lot. Their offense fails to perform in these games when they need a big play. Um, last year, you know, they only put up 20 at home, I think, in that first game versus Vikings they lost. The year before versus the Rams, I know. Uh, there was the bad PI, but they didn't play great in that game. They, I mean, they, put, up, they put up 20 last week versus the Bears, too. It wasn't their offenses or defense. And, uh, like, I truly thought in taking the Saints this week it was going to be that the Washington was able to move the ball at ease versus Bucks defense. The Saints won't have an issue. But, yeah, again, I think I think this is it. This is the last we've seen in Drew Brees, right? That's what Glazer said before the game, and it looked like he was uh, tearing up after game. So, you know, it's sad he's retiring because he's been around forever, but I, f- I think he's starting to get over the hill here. And year after year, they come up short in the playoffs. I don't know what they're going to do. They have the worst cap situation in the NFL. They're currently $90 million over uh, for next year, so they're going to have to make some tough decisions there, paying Taysom Hill a lot of money. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. They're in a bad spot, but... Going to my Sunday scariest moment, kind of similar to that point with bad contracts. There's been a lot of talk about Carson Wentz, deservingly so, how bad his contract is, what the Eagles are going to do with it. Jared Goff is not in a much better uh, situation for the Rams here. Next year, he's dead cap of $65.5 million, so they're not cutting him. Uh, $33 million of cash through 2022. He's four years left on his deal, so as you know, he's okay yesterday, but you just know you're limited with him as your quarterback, um, and that team is limited. So that's my Sunday scariest moment for Rams fans because it looks like you're going to be stuck with Goff for a little while here. Yeah, and especially the Rams moved a lot around to get guys like Jalen Ramsey. They kind of need a hit and be perfect uh, around the edges, and McVay does a good job. But, yeah, he – I mean, Goff was fine yesterday. I didn't – and to your point, you're not going to win games because of him, and you may lose games because of him. So not a great situation to be in there. But this Packers team continues to cruise. They looked really good in this game. I mean, they were in control the whole time. And it's kind of more the same with Rodgers. Like, he hits on Alan Lazard late in the game to put the, to put that one away. And he just feels like he's, like, hit this, like, level of mastery this year where he's just in total control. Of course, he hits Devontae Adam first touchdown of the year of the game. That continues to happen basically every game this season. But he was 23 of 36, 296, two touchdowns in the classic Lambeau game. And I saw on Twitter already that the, the uh, weather projection for next Sunday is supposed to be in the 20s, which you would think lines up well for, for this Packers team against a Bucks team that, right, they've been in Florida all year. Brady, of course, has a cold weather. Um, 
history from his days up in Foxborough, but everything is set up very well for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers team. And the big thing was their defense defense did a, did a good job. It was I was surprised how easily they were able to move the ball up and down the field on this Rams defense. Uh, yeah, Aaron Donald was banged up, but it was still like one of the more dominant performances we've seen against the Rams since like what the Bills did to them earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. They put up 32 points, and it felt like it could have been more on the first drive. They settled for a field goal, and there was a couple missed throws by Rodgers early, and then uh, Lazard dropped the touchdown. He missed MVS or what it might have been a long touchdown in the third quarter. So to put up 32 and feel like you could have had more versus the best defense in the league, I mean, they're, they're on another level right now, and Rodgers – Obviously had a great regular season, but it just seems like now he's just he's back to Rodgers from like four or five years ago when, you know, he beat the Cowboys in that crazy playoff game through the Hail Marys versus the Cardinals. Like he feels like he's back at that level. After, you know, last year they had a good season, but he wasn't as great as he usually is. He's been off the last couple of years, but he's kind of hitting that year two Shanahan system thing we saw with Matt Ryan when he won MVP. So He's been awesome. They ran the ball great, 188 yards for five yards per carry. So it's all set up for them to go to the Super Bowl here. Like you said, it's supposed to be bad weather in Lambeau. They're playing a Florida team, Brady aside. That's a warm weather team. Um, so it's all set up for him. This is his fifth championship game, first at home. Since you know they won the Super Bowl, he's lost the last three and kind of got in, embarrassed in two of those. So this is a huge game for them. Um, this is like – They'll never have a better chance to get back to the Super Bowl, I think. Yeah, yeah. And credit to Matt LaFleur. I mean, two seasons as their head coach, they win 13 games in each season, make it to an NFC championship in both both times. Yeah, I mean, Packers almost had 500 yards of offense in a cold-weather game at Lambeau. Our our lock was way off in terms of uh, the under in this game. And a lot of it was because I think we either A – Two parts. One, underestimated that Aaron Donald injury because he definitely wasn't himself. But B, continues to kind of underestimate this Packers team given what we've seen recently against teams that kind of fit the mold of what this Rams seems good at. Defensively, very strong up front, can run the ball, similar to what the 49ers have done to them. But this seems like a different Packers team that has more edge, more toughness, uh, given what we saw a few weeks back versus the Titans, taking care of business versus the Bears. I mean, they're going to – I think I saw their four-point favorites uh, versus the Bucks. Definitely. That's fair, and I, I agree with you that there just seems to be an extra edge to this team. Last year, as we enjoyed very much, the 49ers just pushed them around in both games and um, just kind of dominated. They definitely have that extra edge this year to go up against such a good defense. And we know Donald was hurt, but still Jalen Ramsey, I mean – you know, there was no fear in throwing over there, and they had a lot of success throwing on him, and not just with Devontae Adams, but other guys. So, I mean, they're clicking right now. It also hurt the Rams that Cooper Cup missed the game. When we did the podcast, seemed like no doubt that he was going to play, but I reacted. And so without him, with Donald barely being able to play, um, it was just uh, st- everything was stacked against them. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Goff and the rest of his team moving forward. They just lost their defensive coordinator to the Chargers, so they got to fill that hole because he did a great job with uh, that defense this year. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, but let's go to the early game from today. <coughs> Chiefs-Browns spread was 10 in this one. We both like Cleveland, um, and I think we both probably even sprinkled a little on the money line 
Mahomes gets concussed in this one. Uh, it seemed like everything was aligned. The stars were lining up for this Browns team to make the, AF- the AFC Championship. And credit to Chad Henney. He threw a terrible pick, but he made big plays on that last drive, running on, like, third and 14, getting them within inches. And then Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid was Andy reading at the end of this game, throwing the ball uh, when maybe you shouldn't in terms of uh, ahead of the two-minute warning, uh, making Cleveland be penalized for the fact that they only had one timeout left. But on fourth and inches, he calls like a rollout play. Chad Henney throws a dart to Tyree Kill. And the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game. And it's it's just insane to me that they're able to hold on in this game. I think the most frustrating thing for me, Tyler, is the fact that Baker Mayfield threw the ball 37 times. The Browns rushed the ball 22 times. And Kevin Stefanski got a little too in his own head. I'm not really sure what happened here. Just... They should have stuck with the run. Yeah, I didn't love their play calling. And I thought Baker played pretty well. His pick was bad. But other than that, I thought he played a, a good game. But, yeah, they should have relied more on the run. Kareem Hunt just didn't touch the ball a lot. And he felt like he was being more effective than Nick Chubb. Six carries, 32 yards. He only had one catch. He was only targeted one time. And in the first half, they kept targeting Nick Chubb on these screens. And he dropped a couple of them that looked like they had big yards ahead of them. That's Kareem Hunt. You have to think he catches it. So I thought Stefanski, you know, great year. Obviously, the Browns turned it around in so many ways. But I thought today he was bad. That challenge of the Tyree Kill catch, it was terrible. I know it was an unreal catch by Tyree Kill. But someone on the staff has to see that video and tell him not to challenge. Because it was un- it's indisputable that he caught, yeah, he caught it, then hit the ground. And then they used a timeout on their last possession. That was terrible. And then at the end of the game, that's what killed them. And then, obviously, Chad Henney had the great run, which I honestly didn't know Chad Henney was still in the league until he played last week. He's only 35. You could have told me he's, like, 42, and I would have believed you. But credit to him. That play was sick. Um, so he came in and was clutch when they needed to, even though he threw what looked like one of the worst interceptions of all time. Mm-hmm. And this was brutal. I thought we were headed for an absolute blowout. I think the runner-up for my Sunday scariest moment was like when the uh, the Chiefs went up sixteen to three in the or sorry they went up nineteen to three, but it was they were cruising when they went up thirteen three in the second quarter early. Mahomes hit Kelsey. I was like, this is a disaster. It's over. But give credit to the Browns. They hung around and they got the. Sh- I mean, uh, Higgins is, was it Higgins who got a. Who fumbled? Yes, he's diving into the end zone. One of the worst rules in sports. He fumbles, the ball rolls out, touchback, Chiefs get the ball back, and it was helmet-to-helmet hit. They don't call it, and it just felt like this game was absolutely doomed. But, I mean, Mahomes gets concussed, and it seems like what we're what I've seen on Twitter is that he feels good, but, of course, he's going to have to go through protocol. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Honestly, like, the NFL... Just move the game to, like, Monday or Tuesday so we get Mahomes, Josh Allen. Oh, yeah, they're totally going to do that. Um, but he, he's going to play. It, uh, he, I hope so. But, like, say he needs, like, an extra day or two, whatever. You have two weeks till the Super Bowl. Every, everyone in the world wants to see Mahomes, Josh Allen. I feel like you're kidding, but I'm, I, I'm not sure if you're being I'm serious not, or not. I'm, not. I'm not kidding. I'm being serious. They're not going to move the game. If of course, of course they're not going to, but I'm saying they should. 
I mean, they shouldn't, and they won't, but okay. Um, you want to watch Chad Henney versus Josh Allen, or you want to watch Tuesday Night Football, Mahomes versus Josh Allen? I was, I was convinced for a second Mahomes was a system quarterback during that game. Chad Henney made, like, a great throw on third down. I was mostly joking. <laughs> and then and then the next play, that awful pick on first down. So I was happy having the Browns. I felt like I reverse jinxed them. But what did you think? Um, you mentioned the Higgins play. Obviously, they missed the helmet-to-helmet, but I don't know. That's such a hard call to make, and, like, what is the defender supposed to do in that situation? So I I didn't, like, hate it. Everyone on Twitter hates, you know, the touchback rule. It's just, like, one of those things to me that that's always been the rule, so I don't know what else they would do. Um, So I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. They're saying the Browns have, like, a rule not to reach the ball over like that in those situations, which sounds fine, but I feel like in that situation it's so hard to do, and, even if he did score there, obviously it was a game-changing play, but it's not why the Browns lost. Um, even if they scored there, there would have been a minute and a half left in the first half, and Chiefs were having no problem at that point moving the ball. So I would have, I would have think, thought they would at least get a field goal, probably a touchdown again. And even even at the end of the first half, the Chiefs, the Chiefs settled for a field goal, and it was very Andy Reid. They had two timeouts left, and they absolutely butchered the way they handled it. Instead of taking the timeout, they should have called a timeout around a minute left. They run it under a minute, but then they hit on one over the middle with 18 seconds left when they have one timeout left, and Mahomes runs up, and they waste, like, five seconds to clock it. It seemed like they were, like, almost, like, uh, playing the the Browns are a bit of a charity case because they're like, oh, yeah, we don't even need the timeouts. We're still going to score. They were doing whatever they wanted against this Browns defense. Well, did you hear Tony Romo during that? He was he was awful. Tony Romo today was like, I don't he's, know if he was on little, something. He was, he was a little too excited about Chad Henney. He's like, Chad Henney is sending. He's like, maybe, I don't know. And he yeah, didn't. I don't, I don't get it. I he, don't was, get he was crazy. But during the end of the half, he was saying the, the, Brown, the Chiefs had a third down. And to that point, the Browns have had no success stopping the Chiefs. They just want to get to halftime and let as much clock run off. And Tony Romo is saying the Browns should call a timeout on third down. And then, of course, the Chiefs get the first down, and the clock is running. The Chiefs have to call a timeout, but, like, 25 extra seconds have run off, which is at least good for the Browns. Tony Romo's like, uh, you know, I still think the Browns should have called a timeout there. And then the Chiefs ran out of time at the end of the half, and he never said anything about it. No understanding of time management in that situation, but I thought that was funny, but... Yeah, the Browns, did you think they should have went for that fourth down instead of punting at the end? I don't know. I think hindsight's twenty twenty on that. I was fine with the punt because Chad Henney was a quarterback. It was in Patrick Mahomes. I agree. I think the bigger issue at that point was they punt, but they only had one timeout left at that point in the game, and they had used them in bad situations, as I said before. And on that last sequence, they picked Henney off. First down they ran. And then they ran, like, two running back screens. The play calling made no sense. And then they didn't touch the ball again. Um, but, I, I, again, I feel like Stefanski kind of bungled this game a bit for them. And they scored to make it – they're down 19-3. They scored a touchdown. They're down 16. Instead of going for two, they kicked the extra point. I know it didn't come back to haunt them, but it still makes sense. You go try to make it a, a one-score game. It made no sense because usually it gets a situation where a team gets – down to nine, and they go they go for two, which I sometimes don't understand. People try to explain that. But in this situation, they're down ten. Go for two. What's the difference between 
I guess if you're down nine, you get a touchdown field goal, you win the game. But at this point, make it to try to get it to one score. That made no sense. And usually Twitter, like, explodes nowadays when coaches make a decision like that or don't go for a fourth down. But no one really said anything, which was weird. Yeah, I don't know if it was because there's so much time left. So who knows? Um, but the night game from last night, we were both on the Ravens. That one definitely went back and forth there. Who we actually would land on, it felt like one that was going to be inevitable. This was a weird game. Windy, a lot of missed field goals. Even Justin Tucker missed, missed some field goals. Um, but ultimately, the game was swung on a pick six. The Ravens are driving. Uh, Lamar's making plays with his legs. And Teron Johnson on the Bills right before the third quarter's over. There's a 101-yard uh, interception return for a touchdown. Basically put this game on ice uh, to put them up 14. Lamar got concussed. And their backup, Tyler Huntley, I mean, he missed Hollywood Brown when he was wide open. And he was making plays even late in this game when the game was probably over. Uh, he, but he looked confident. But I think the bottom line was in this game, it, Josh Allen, it was, a, it was a, a weird, ugly game, but Josh Allen was able to hit and make big plays when it counted. He hit Stephon Diggs. Von Diggs had another big game, over 100 yards receiving, one touchdown. The Bills, they kept saying, 6,000 fans in Buffalo sounds like 60,000. And, and the fans were, were definitely audible. Um, so good for the Bills fans. They go into Kansas City, into Arrowhead. And we get we get the matchup we we all hope for here. Definitely, I thought the Ravens defensively they played great. The Bills had one touchdown drive to start the half. Other than that, they really gave up nothing. The pick six and then one field goal. But their defense played great. It seemed like the offense was so discombobulated last night. And it was like, did they practice this week? There's no understanding what they're doing a lot of the time. Um, the center was awful. It felt like the offensive line couldn't do anything. One of the reasons we liked the Ravens was the Bills last week couldn't really do anything um, getting pressure on Phillip Rivers. And I know the Colts' offensive line is probably better than Baltimore's, but Baltimore's been running the ball great over the last month and a half. You thought they would have no issue, but they sacked Lamar three times. Felt like he was under pressure a ton. So I was really surprised about that. It just seemed like the offense wasn't prepared. And I know it was windy, but... They kept talking about Baltimore like as a West Coast team that hasn't played in bad weather. Baltimore's a six-hour drive from Buffalo. They play in the same weather climate. Um, so it was bizarre that the weather affected Baltimore so much, it seems like. I didn't understand how they could be so unprepared. They've played a ton of cold games over the years. So it's it another disappointing end to their season. And for the Bills, another game where offensively they don't play lights out. But they get the win, the defense steps up, and they're, they're going to need to play better next week versus uh, Kansas City for sure. Yeah, it did seem like the Ravens' offensive line was a little rattled by the noise at this game. They had a few false start penalties, eight penalties, 59 yards. I think the bottom line was Ravens are 0 for 3 in the red zone in this one, um, and the Bills made enough plays, and that pick six ultimately swung it. Really bad pick six. I just literally, it's on Sports Center right now, another. Uh, <clears throat> highlight of it, but I don't know, this Bills team, it's they're feisty, and the reason we like the Ravens was because of their defense, um, and, and their ability to run the ball in this game, and the fact that it was windy and cold, it the script was set for, for the Ravens to win this game and get the job done, but I think it kind of, the game highlighted how good Josh Allen actually is, that he was able to play this well versus Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore just made so many mistakes, and 
Buffalo just didn't, and that was the difference in the game. And Buffalo couldn't run the ball. 16 carries for 32 yards, two yards a pop. They started the game throwing, like, every play. So clearly running wasn't in the game plan. I'm interested to see what they do next week if they're this aggressive, again, versus Kansas City. That's how you beat them, obviously, but... Like, they're, they're going to need some sort of run game, you know, if they get ahead versus Kansas City to try to drain clock or something. So be interesting to see if they get the run game going. But my roommate said this to me, and this feels like very first take Monday morning, but um, is Lamar Jackson the Giannis of the NFL? Your roommate said that? The Bucks fan? He did. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Slap it, in the face. Yeah, yeah. I mean... So far, it's not feeling that, that far off, right? I mean, he put some numbers in the regular season. I mean, he played pretty well versus Tennessee, but this was definitely disappointing in terms of they only put up three points. I think the first drive was telling. Like, it was going all all very well for the Ravens. They were running all over the place. They got the Bills to jump on a fourth and one, I think, uh, to pick up the first down. But I think if they would have went down the field and scored a touchdown – it really would have set the tone differently. They had to settle for Justin Tucker field goal, which is normally automatic. He missed it. And then from there, it felt like, I don't know, they just were kind of never the same. Like, that was one of their most impressive drives, and they got no points for it. Yeah, and people are being pretty critical of Greg Roman. I felt like the play calling was kind of weird at some points. And, again, just didn't seem like they practiced this week. And it's what we've seen from them when they've lost in the playoffs the last few years. The offense just really can't get anything going. After the game, Marquise Brown, again, wasn't happy, and I can't blame him. You said when, whenever you're the number one rushing offense and 30-something passing, that's not right. Um, we got to find a way to balance our game. Even with our great rushing attack, we got to be able to throw the ball and be able to move the ball through the air. So it feels like kind of a shot at Lamar, kind of a shot at the coaching staff, but he is right that this team has to be able to throw the ball at certain points when you get into those third and medium, third and long situations in the playoffs, you're not going to always be able to run the ball so great. So they're going to have to do something in the offseason. They need another receiver on that team. I think Hollywood is a good, like, number two type receiver, but they need a, a possession guy, kind of like when they had Anquan Bolden uh, the year they won the Super Bowl with Flacco. They just need someone like that who could pick up the change. Even Mark Andrews, he didn't have a great game. It's only four for 28. Yeah, that seems to kind of be like a, a repetitive theme with him in these big games. He doesn't really impress. Um, he's not at that level of Kelsey or George Kittle or um, even like Earths. I don't know. I think he leaves a bit to be desired. So I definitely agree. Every, every team could use an Anquan Bolden, but especially the Baltimore Ravens. Grandpa Billy's bum of the week uh, time, Tyler. We're going straight through here on the divisional round recap. No break. Mm. Not all heroes wear capes here. You want to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. Uh, my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'm going outside the ranks of the NFL. I'm going to a guy who's definitely been a bum of the week at, at, at probably multiple times, I would say. You would remember this better than I would. Uh, but Archie Miller, head coach of Indiana basketball, we continue to be average um, to below average even. We're 8-6 and six now, 3-4 and four overall in the Big Ten. We lost again on Thursday to Purdue by 12. He's 0-8 versus Purdue during his time as the IU basketball coach. Crazy thing is it's not even like Purdue's been like a powerhouse of, of kind of the – it's not like, it's not like Purdue's Kansas right now. Like they've had some good teams with Carson Edwards, but 
a lot of those games have been winnable. Um, and this this Indiana team, it's the same old story. Can't shoot threes, can't shoot free throws. Uh, we give up a high percentage. Um, three our three point defense leaves much to be desired, and it's just like. We, we get these top recruits from Indiana. Trace has been a, a stud again this year, but a guy like Landers giving us nothing. Um, the team just continue, continues to leave much to be desired. And, again, even though Crean, we didn't play defense, I've come the last couple of weeks, like, just give me a brand of basketball that's at least exciting to watch. They're, they're very frustrating to watch and just not fun, really. Um, we've seen it now for four years. The offense just struggles. The defense always feels, like, higher rated than they actually are. Like, I don't think we're a great defensive team. We're okay, solid at best. But Purdue shot lights out from three, and we couldn't stop them. There's really no adjustment throughout the game. So they continue to be disappointing. As you said, they haven't beaten Purdue under Archie Miller. Um, so it's bad. I don't think he's going to be fired after this year, just given – you know, the revenue impact from uh, COVID and everything. But I feel like next year is a true make-or-break year from him, and I don't see anything changing. Uh, people will compare stats like Virginia under Tony Bennett the first four years, and all IU's main category stats are better, like record, defensive ranking, all this stuff. But you watch them. They're just not getting better. It's the same issues year in, year out. Yeah, and we're going to lose Trace. So it's... Nah, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't think he's NBA ready. He's no. He's no jump shot right now. He's putting up numbers. So, but, I, but he, and and also if it continues to be uninspiring like this, if he could be a late end of the first round pick, I think he might just go. Maybe I, I really don't think he's a first round pick at this point. He's a great college player, but he's undersized. Doesn't really have a right hand, and his game right now, and he's really good at it, but is catching the ball and kind of like. Barreling into people yeah, or spinning he tur- off the turns post. left and does layups. But he's great at that, but he has no jump shot, and defenses are giving it to him. He gets to the foul line a ton. I think they said the most in the country, but he still shoots not great from the foul line, so he needs a mid-range game because he doesn't have the height to dominate physically in the NBA. I hope he comes back another year because um, they could use him, but not not impressive. Like Our recruiting classes are good, but nothing is really materializing. Um, so my grandpa Billy's bum of the week uh, goes to this goes to Chase Claypool. Um, he had said during the week he called the Browns classless after their win over the Steelers, and he said if the Browns had won with more class, then I wouldn't have been so salty about it. But then mocking Juju just didn't sit right with me. They can enjoy the win and another week of football, but they'll be on the couch right next to me next week. It's like just shut up, man. You lost. Juju talked all that shit leading up to the game, and then. You know, they kind of, they got clapped, as the kids like to say, and then Claypool said the Chiefs were going to clap them. Like, you can't say that after they beat you in the playoffs last week and then knocked you out. It feels like the Steelers all year have been so loud on social media, and then when anyone gives it back to them, they, they cry uh, unfair. So I was happy to see them get eliminated, but Claypool's my bum of the week. He just uh, needs to maybe lay low for a little bit. I feel like that's always kind of the uh, the Steelers' mo, even back to the Antonio Brown days. They've, like as a team, they talk a lot, but kind of let you down when it when push comes to shove. At least the past like decade or so. Um, so yeah, I agree. It was just like a lame take. Like you just lost, and really the final score was close. But like you guys came out and got punched in the mouth. You're losing twenty eight nothing. Just like I don't know, a sign of immaturity out of him. 
you can't come, you can't have your star receiver say during the week, oh, the Browns is the Browns. Like they have a couple good players, but I don't know who any of them are. Can't say that. And then when you lose the game, not expect the team to come at you. So it was all fair by the Browns, and I think they played as good as anyone's played against the Chiefs this year, right? I mean, they came down to the wire. I know Mahomes got hurt, but it's not like they embarrassed themselves. They covered the spread and almost won the game. So it's a bad look for the Steelers, but I do feel like it's sad because it seems like Rivers, Roethlisberger, and Breeze, three guys who have been around forever. This might have been our last weeks of watching them uh, play football. Yeah, yeah. It's really basically just Brady from that era, which is crazy. He's, he's still playing at as high of a level as he is. Um, but, yeah, you have anything else, Tyler? I think that's it. So we'll be back uh, mid this week to preview the championship games coming up. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.